What would you say, and there's no right or wrong answer to this, so this is open-ended, the opposite of peace is? What's the opposite? Chaos. Turmoil. Stress. What else? Fear. Opposite of peace. War. Did I hear? Yeah, that's definitely one. What's the opposite of peace? Anxiety. Yeah, there's a couple of anxieties that's in there. We all experience this. We know these things, and we definitely don't feel at peace when we do. So these are good. What else? What's the opposite of peace? Worry. Worry. Good. Resistance. Good. I was thinking about interpersonally too. The opposite of peace can be conflict or bitterness, grudges. Like there's that angle. Those are certainly not peaceful relationships when they're like that. These are all good, and it's actually where I started this week. Like those thoughts. And then as I was reading through the scriptures, I tried to look up all the Bible I had to say on peace and kind of say, well, what of this speaks to us today? Because we all want peace, right? That's something all of us, universally, even the world would want peace. Um, but we don't always have it. But like, why? <laughs> like, we're Christians. Shouldn't we just always have peace? So I'm starting with the, the concepts that we have here and with the basic question, like, why? we have a Prince of Peace, Right? My peace I give to you. I don't give of the world, Jesus says. I give you peace. Okay, we have a Holy Spirit of peace. It's the gospel of peace. Jesus made peace for us on the cross. We know all these things. We believe them. But we just don't feel that way like a lot of the time. So what is that just an emotional thing? I was trying to like dig a little bit deeper. And then as I started reading all these verses, I found over 40 different ways that peace is used, 40 different scenarios that can either have or lack peace, 40 pieces of advice on peace. There's like a lot. It's not a one single thing. But there was a pattern in all of them, and it wasn't what I expected. In all the areas where the Bible's talking about peace, the thing it was counter to was sin. It was sin. Not fear, not war, sin. Like the opposite of peace, I think, might be sin. And that to me is like, oh, well, I need to think about this then. And so I started reading those same scriptures again. It's like, all right, well, they take on new meaning. If I'm thinking of the opposite of peace, opposite of shalom, right? How could give us a much better definition from the Jewish perspective of what shalom means? It's complete wholeness, right? It's a fullness. You say shalom when someone arrives. You know, shalom is a hello. Like, may you be well and blessed. And when someone departs, the same word, shalom, peace be on you, Right? Peace is what we ask for. God's blessing, the ironic blessing on all of God's people. May his face shine upon you and grant you peace. Right? So it's the Lord is peace. Gideon has this moment in scripture where God delivers him and he said, the Lord is peace. He names God peace. All of the names of God in the Bible are his characteristics, his traits. So if peace is this thing that's like inherent in God and not in us, that would make sense because we're a sinful people in a sinful world. And what if we shouldn't be trying to like play around with the symptoms? I feel anxious. Well, why? I feel afraid. Why? What's below the surface on those things? 
and I think all these verses just say, well, there's sin somewhere in there. So if it's our sin, what do we do when we sin? Two words. I'm sorry. Uh, only one of us knew that here. Two words. What do we do when we sin? We say, sorry. I want to hear everybody say it. When we sin, the two words we have to say is? That's what I was hoping for the first time. We got there because God's God of grace. It's okay. We'll just keep working into it. Uh, we need to be good at those words. But that will actually lead to peace. You know how sometimes someone will say something offensive to you or like irritating and you can just brush it off? Like in that moment, it doesn't bother you. You don't feel any responsibility for their craziness or that word that came at you. It's like, eh, whatever, that's them. And other days it just really matters. <laughs> like you're mad instantly and just like erupt. That's something in you, right? Because it's not the word. One day that word or that phrase or that accusation or that guilt-producing thing hurts. And another day you're invincible to it. So it's not the word. It's a condition of our heart. It's, it's peace in us. So when we have some responsibility in a situation, we feel some measure of like guilt, some measure of like, I shouldn't have said that in response. We're way more apt to feel the fear or the anger that comes with being out of peace than if we look at it and like, I, I could not have done it any differently. I could not have said it any better. It's, it's not my thing. That's on them. They have something they need to work through. So then it's not, I'm sorry. Then it's, I forgive you, right? That's three words, right? And that sometimes brings peace also. It's not always our stuff, but sometimes it is. And usually it's a mix. Usually their stuff makes our stuff come to the surface. And then we've got our stuff and their stuff. And we're like sorting what we have to apologize for and what we have to forgive for. But when someone wrongs you, what are the three words you need to say? I forgive you. That's a route to peace because you're, you're eliminating sin. You're atoning. There's confession, there's repentance. The sin goes away and then all of a sudden the relationship feels like, okay, it, it doesn't go away what happened, but you're more peaceful with each other. And in the first scenario, if someone's coming at you and bombarding you with lots of evil, call it, but you don't feel responsible for it, then you pray for things like protection, but you don't feel guilty. So you actually can be in a place of peace where it's sort of like, all right, God, come on, when's the, when's the hailstorm going to end? Because I'm just getting pelted. But you can be at peace in that place. That's Jesus asleep in the boat. Right? It's not his storm. He's fine. He didn't do anything wrong. He's not being punished by God. It's a storm, and it's a way to build his disciples' faith. So he's just sleeping. And he gets up, and he exercises faith, and like, God gets the glory. So really, we're talking about a condition of our hearts. We're not talking about world peace. And I know that there's different sort of stances on this, especially in the politically charged climate that we live in. How does our faith relate to those things? But Jesus specifically said, I did not come into this world to bring peace. The, the angels singing about Jesus at his birth, uh, glory to God and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus came to bring individual peace, to save souls in the midst of a wicked world. There's a psalm that says, um, there is no peace for the wicked. Again, it's peace, but what's the opposite of that? Wicked, like sin, like bad stuff. You can't be at peace. You might get what you want, 
but you wouldn't experience peace if it was done the wrong way. Sin versus peace. So I think what we're talking about here uh, is this inner peace that God gives to individuals, despite ourselves. Sometimes we're even in conflict in our own heads. Like there's like a, there's like a battle going on, a tug of war between the two thoughts. I feel like I want to do this, but I, I'm going to do this, but I shouldn't do this, but I might do this. Like, you know that? Like, well, we're not at peace, but it's because sin, like the Bible says, is crouching at our door waiting to devour us. Sin has a capital S in the Bible. It's like a thing. It's like a power. It's a force of evil, capital E. You know, it's not just like I ate too many cookies, although that may be a sin if you've committed yourself to not, you know, the pledges that we make matter. So for some it may, for some may not, but it's not like that. It's like a force actively looking to destroy us. But when you think about that in regards to peace, then we need the force that's capable of overcoming that. And that is God alone. That is God is peace. That is our Prince of Peace. That is Jesus gives us peace. So actually, peace is something we're looking to receive. We are not born with peace. We're born into a sinful world as sinful people. And we get to a point where we're tired of that tug of war in our brain. We're tired of feeling like a hypocrite. We're tired of feeling like, I don't know what I want to do and I can't do what I want to do. We give in. And you give in one way or the other. You give in to sin. And it just makes a mess of life. And we've all been in that road, to, road too. This is why we need grace. Um, or we give in to the Holy Spirit, who one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So when we have God in us, we have access to peace. It's not that we don't understand it. It's not that we don't have access to it. It's that there's like a thorn. There's a burr under the saddle. There's something that's not right. Sin is somehow like working. That's why there's no peace. So the Bible says we're supposed to have peace between nations. What would that be? That would mean nations are in like a state of sinlessness with each other. No one's taking advantage of each other economically. No one's at war trying to take over each other. There's peace. It's, it's not just the absence. It's like a presence of like a sinless relationship. Peace in a marriage is not just we like each other. It's like we have not sinned against each other. We're in a state of sinlessness with each other. Peace. Peace in our hearts means we're not in a, a state of like opposition to God. We just feel right. We can depart in peace, rest in peace. It means we're going to God and we have a clean conscience. Like if we die tomorrow, it's fine. God's got us. I don't feel like I'm opposing God and, and, and elevating sin. I'm trying to elevate God and squash the sin. And when it comes at my door, lead me down into temptation. <laughs> We get tempted with worry all the time. We have not yet sinned. It's what you do with it. <laughs> worry, worry, worry. No, God's got that. You just put it away. It's always going to come back. But the more we see God bless in miraculous ways, the stronger we are when the sin comes as a temptation. We are, we are tempted to fear. We're tempted to be anxious. And it's what you do in that moment, your security in God, not in circumstances. It's your feeling of a clean conscience. If everything is crumbling around you, but you have a clean conscience, you actually feel okay to some degree. That's a weird thing. That's the peace that passes all understanding. But it's based upon our state of guilty or clear conscience between us and God. 
in a relationship. We can feel like, well, that person has wronged me, I've wronged them, we're in this state. But at some point, we feel like, well, I've done what I can to make it right on my behalf. But there's like this boundary, there's this fear around us. And like, as far as we can reach is what we can impact. And so to the best of our reach, to the length of our reach, we've tried to say, I am sorry. We've tried to say, I forgive you. We've tried to say, God, you are peace, be our peace. And beyond that, it's not in your control. Beyond that, you let everything else be in God's hand. It is his to avenge. He will repay. So there's also a peace in things that are still wrong but are out of your control. So trusting in God is a matter of knowing where's my reach? How far can I reach? I'm responsible for that. But if it's out of my reach, I'm not responsible for that. So I'm not going to live feeling helpless within my reach about things that are beyond my reach, which I have no control over. We have to trust God about big things, and we work in the moment. He's the one that's the master chess player that's doing the big picture strategizing. We're just faithful. Two squares forward, two squares forward, you know? God's in control. So all of these verses speak to this. Some of the areas of peace that the Bible talks about. I mentioned one, dying in peace. I hope we all can. If anyone here feels like they couldn't, if you're afraid of dying, if you're not sure what will happen, please come talk to me after church. Jesus is so clear about this, and it's so simple. Just trust in God, confess your sins. He's the gateway to heaven. It's one way, but it is a simple, straightforward way. We can have peace in that. The Bible also talks about leaving places in peace. I think of the Williams, I think of the Raposos right now. Like how you leave is a testimony to peace for or against, you know? When we part ways with people, sometimes it's with like a, a, a bitterness. Sometimes with like a sense of what if or a sense of frustration or whatever. And then sometimes when you leave, you just get to leave in peace, right? So blessed to be able to pray over you next week. Not because we want you to go. Still hoping everything falls through and you stay here forever. But I want you to be blessed where you go, wherever that may be. And um, you are departing in peace, not to heaven, but to the next mission field. That's good. The repose of the same way. It's good. It's good. Hard, but good. Um, peace in our homes. The Bible said we're supposed to be able to go into our homes, which are places of peace. Uh, there's such a thing as holding your peace. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Don't say that thing. You can confess to God later that you thought it and not have it hurt anybody else. You can say, I'm sorry, later. Don't have to say double sorry to the person you actually said the terrible thing to and then confess to God that you thought it and then acted on it. Just bite your tongue, know that it's sin, even in your thought, but don't spread the mess around, the manure. We don't need to keep spreading it and hoping that things grow. Just like, hold your peace sometimes. We're impulsive, right? We think a thing and then we say it. This is, we're actually being trained this way. This is Twitter. This is Facebook. We're trained that we think something and we say it. And then we get responses. Some people like it. Some people don't. Please develop a more mature processing approach where we, we think first. And many times we just don't say the words that came to our mind ever. Because nobody else really needs to hear us speak anyway. So we just never said anything. We'd be fine. They'd be fine. Um, choose your words. Um, so holding our peace. That's a good one. It's, it's a word for our day for sure promises are supposed to be covenants of peace 
Like, I promise to do this for you. You promise to do this to me. Again, we live in a very covenant-breaking world. We break out of contracts. We know that even though our, our work has promised to pay us, they could cut us at any time. Employers know that even though this employee has signed a co contract, they could leave at any time. There's this feeling of like, well, do we make peace? Are we at peace? Well, even though we say we're at peace, no, everybody's out for themselves. Like, we're supposed to be people of promises. And that brings peace. When you know you can really trust someone and they say what they're going to do, what they're going to do, and then they follow through on it. And that, that, that's so peace-bringing. <sighs> just to follow through and just to be promise keepers. That builds peace. And that's God. He's always faithful. And so we trust him because he comes through again and again and again in these miraculous kind of ways. And he will come through on the things we even prayed for this morning. There's a few more. Just kind of like painting the picture of where we should be seeing peace in our lives. Maybe we are, maybe we're not. But these are places where the Bible says we should have peace. Uh, we should be speaking words of peace. Wonderful scripture that says words of peace. There is a lifestyle of peace called walking the way of peace. I think that's probably one of the scriptures that we'll read together. It would be pretty cool if your lifestyle was peace. That's my lifestyle. People are like vegan lifestyle, right? Or like whatever. Like my lifestyle is peace. That's really, that's really powerful. It's really cool. What if every human adopted a lifestyle of peace? Like, the ripples of that would be felt the world over. Uh, there's peaceful worship in church, gathered worship. And there's also discord and chaos and confusion forms of worship. But, like, worship should be peace. God is here. We are here. It is good. And then peace versus anxiety. Uh, peace versus conflict. And uh, the ability we have to share peace. I'd like to start with Psalm, Psalm 34. And if you'd like to read along with me, fine. If not, I will read through some of these scriptures. Like I said, I had 40 or some odd, but I'm not going to read them all to you. What I'm going to do is I feel like I've painted the picture that I'd like to paint, how I see what the scriptures are saying. So I would like to just read some of scripture together. So I'm just going to read these scriptures one after the other. Psalm 34, verses 11 through 22. And I'd like the word of God to speak for itself. Psalm 34, 11. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man or woman is there who desires life and long days that he may see good? Then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So there's trouble in the world, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That's a messianic prophecy, by the way. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So again, seek peace and pursue it. What's the context? Wickedness and trouble and affliction, uh, evil speech and deceit. And God's there to give and bring and provide peace for those who turn from evil, do good. It doesn't say turn from your worry and experience peace. Turn from your fear. Turn from evil to experience peace. Isaiah 26, 
verse 3. Can I just read that one for you? Don't turn to that one. I'll have you turn uh, to the next one. Isaiah 26, 3 just says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So his mind is stayed on. It's kind of like fixed on. Your mind is set on. Your mind is like focused on. I'll read it again. The prophet says to um, the people of God, You keep him in perfect peace. This is God. God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's the definition of peace. Not about circumstances. Peace is an inward reality regardless of circumstances. Jesus experienced peace on the cross. He died in peace. Like Peace is not a state of being. Peace is a relationship term, an emotional, relational stance between us and God, between us and others. We know the prophecy from Isaiah. Again, don't turn to these. I'll have you turn in just a moment to the, the next one, but let me read a few for you here just to go quickly. Jesus, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes we are healed. So healing and peace are together. This actually is a little insight into the word for peace. It's made up of two words, and I don't want to get them wrong. The root word of it, uh, the name Irene is kind of the English translation of the Greek word Irene for peace. So that's where the word that's actually being used, Irene, which comes from Iro. There it is. Irene, from the verb Iro, which means to join or bind together that which has been separated. So peace is a restoration. Peace is a healing. Doesn't that again make it seem like we must be talking about some kind of sin? If, if it's two things that are being brought back together again, it means they were supposed to be together, or they once were together, and now they're apart. And so we're making peace. We're binding. We're healing. Uh, think of Jesus and the woman who was healed from bleeding for all those years just because she touched him. Uh, he said, woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Healing and peace. Uh, peace is like, if we have peace, we are the fixed. We are the healed. That's what peace is. It's a restoration sort of term. So when we go in peace, we're actually going as fixers with the only one who can actually do the fixing. We're going as the healers. We're bringing peace. We're bringing the ability, like Michelle said, to be menders, to be peace givers because we've experienced being men dead. So that's where peace is going, and that's why Jesus on the cross is doing some mending. He's making peace because God put us in Eden, to go back to that again, as in great relationship. We're at peace. We're in a state of sinlessness in our relationship with God. And then we broke it. Mankind broke it. We always break it. But God is faithful. And so he meets us in our broken place and says, I can bring peace. Would you like to be healed? the man who was lame. You know, would you like to be healed? Yes, I, I would like to be made well. Back to our two words, I'm sorry. <laughs> get back to our three words, I forgive you. But we also get back to, I receive. We have to receive peace, because if we aren't born with it, we gotta get it somewhere along the way. And this is both good news and bad news. It's good news, because you can get it any time, it's not yours. You just need to ask for it. But it's bad news because if you don't ask for it, it's not given to you. You will not have it. 
You can't manufacture it, you can't buy it, you can't make it, you can't invent it, you can't, any of those words, you can't that. So it's a God thing. Let me read to you um, the prophecy. This is where Simeon prays over Jesus as a baby. And he says, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the, and this is the phrase, the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the days of his public appearance in Israel. So Jesus came to guide us into the way of peace. Remember the early Christians were just called people of the way? It's the way of peace. Actually, Paul in Romans says this as well. He says uh, about the, the sinful world around us, no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Does that sound like social media? The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So like we're talking pathways, ways to walk, ways to live life styles of peace. Jesus was prophesied as being some that help people walk in the way of peace. Paul is contrasting the sinful world with people who are being led in God in a way of peace. Like that lifestyle of peace, that's actually what we're supposed to be enjoying, receiving, I accept, but sharing and spreading as well. I've quoted a lot of these already briefly as we go, so I'll, I'll skip ahead to some of them as we kind of bring things together here. Like I said, you just do a search, a Bible search on the word peace, and all of a sudden, all of these little threads get tied together, and you realize what we need for peace is to receive it from God. And the reason we don't have it is because of sin, either ours or someone else's. So the route to peace isn't like trying to get all the conflict out of our lives. That's never going to happen. The route to peace isn't saying like, I'm never going to be at peace until I like make my family peaceful. That's not going to happen. That's not in our control. It's outside of your reach. It's outside of your reach. It's God's territory. The way to peace is saying, God, is there anything in me that I need to give over to you because I just want to be right? I I want to do a trade. Do we trade? The things I know that aren't good, <laughs> can you extend your grace? And can you trade me peace? Because then I'll be peaceful as far as I can reach. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. So I can't reach all people, but the ones I can reach, you can hug. The ones that I can reach, you can help out. Like, you've got to reach. You just have to know what that reach looks like. That's where the mission field is for each of us. It could be Romania. It could be anything. There's a certain reach. It could be people whose friends and family pass away. Like, it's, it's within your reach. It might be out of my reach, but it's not out of yours. I'm going to have you turn to James chapter 3, and I'm going to read one more scripture as you turn to that one. This one's from Colossians 3. So James 3, uh, we're going to go to verse 13, and these will be the last two scriptures that we read. I just encourage you to do some digging. This is not just for me to read to you. This is for thoughts for me to share with you and then say, dig into these. If we want to be people at peace, this is how peace works. These are like the inner mechanics of peace that we're talking about. You could dig into it forever and ever and ever. What is that? BibleGateway.com. Peace. Search. And just start reading. It's going to be good. 
And it's going to take everything we've said here. And like, oh, and there's that part. And there's that part. And there's that part. Let me like enter you in and urge you to enter into a season of searching about peace. So Colossians 3, and then stay in James 3. We'll read that together. Colossians 3 says... Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness, humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Command terminology. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's got to be a like, God, I'm going to let you do this element to peace. I'm going to let, Jesus says that I have peace. I'm going to just let you do it. Let the peace of Christ rule and when the fears and things start coming in and attacking, you know, I'm letting the peace of Christ rule. Let the words of Christ settle in. That's when we're going to be okay. When we let God do what only God can do. But this is a wisdom passage, and that's why we end with James 3. James 3.13. It's God's wisdom we're talking about here. It, it would actually make sense to be afraid of things that are fearful in, in life, you know. But in God's economy, that doesn't make sense. So we're talking about God's wisdom here. So listen, maybe you think it seems wise. Maybe you think it doesn't, but it's certainly different than worldly wisdom. James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, if you have selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but the wisdom, we could say, that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be every disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial. It's sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. So blessed are the people that are going to things that are apart, trying to put them back together because it's somehow within their reach. And the tools they're using are, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and I receive. Like, that's, that's the route to peace. It's not getting through emotions just a little bit more money so we don't have to worry about the bills. It's not getting through this one problem with my teenage kids because there's just going to be more problems with teenage kids or maybe our friends' teenage kids that we're going to be worried about on their behalf. It's not just, oh, if we get past this one hurdle. It's not about getting past hurdles. That's not the definition of peace. The definition of peace is like you're healed, you're whole, you're fixed, you're fine, you're good. You have a clean conscience. <laughs> Stuff might be just, like, bad, but you're not bad. And I want us to be that way. We need to be that way for the world right now. And I think we all want to be that way. When we don't have peace, we feel conflicted about it. Like, oh, why don't I have the peace? I don't supposed to have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make any sense. And God's like, all right, well, let's back it up. 
Are you sorry? Do you forgive? Do you receive? You're going to have peace. Those are the building blocks. That's what it's made of, and it is God's to lend, and it's wise. It's wisdom. A harvest of righteousness, of right deeds, of rightness, of goodness, of like positive things is sown not by doing those positive things, but by being people of peace. You sow peace, you reap goodness. We want to like be good and end up good. You don't make yourself good. You sow peace, peace with God, peace with others, and good things happen. Be people of peace. That's wise. That's God's wisdom that comes down from above. So we end there. We end the scriptures at that point. And for those of you that grabbed a card when you're coming in, um, use it now. If you didn't, we're not going to take the time to pass them out. But um, please take a moment, whether you're writing it down or whether you're just thinking and reflecting on where you're at with peace these days. Do you have it? Do you not have it? Do you need it? Do you know someone who you're trying to help find it? Where are you at? And there's supposed to be a called part on that too. Like, so then you need to do something about that. There might be an I'm sorry you need to deliver. There might be an I forgive you that you need to deliver. To God alone, maybe, possibly. Or to another human. Or to ourselves. <laughs> I'm sorry. Present me for past me. He really screwed you up good. <laughs> right? But that's the grace of it. We're not saying, do this, do this, do this. We're like, no, this is just what it means to be broken. And God binds up the brokenhearted. He gives peace to those he loves. So just take a moment and reflect on peace for yourself and, and make a commitment of what you'll do to pursue peace yourself. And then we'll, we'll close with the song. Thank you.